Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today we're talking to William Dameron, who is the best-selling author of a new book about forgiveness, living a lie, and finding a new life. He also has the dubious distinction of unknowingly having his photo used in hundreds of catfishing schemes. We're going to talk about the power of forgiveness to change your life, and also about how William became a best-selling author while still maintaining his full-time non-writing job. William, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're so pleased to have you. I downloaded your book on Kindle the moment I saw it. And, well, let me tell everybody a little bit about your background. You're an award-winning blogger, you're a memoirist, you're an essayist, and you're the author of the book that I love so much, The Lie, a memoir of two marriages, catfishing, and coming out. And your work has appeared in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, Salon, Huffington Post, and in the book Fashionably Late, Gay, Bi, and Trans Men Who Came Out Later in Life. And surprisingly, for such an accomplished author, you are an IT director for a global economic consulting firm. And I think that's really interesting because there you're educating users about cybersecurity and your own picture was used for catfishing. William, his husband, and blended family of five children split their time between Boston and the coast of southern Maine. So you know what I want to ask you first, and we have a lot of authors listening to the podcast. What's it like to be published by Amazon, and how did you decide to go with Amazon instead of a conventional publisher? Yeah, it's been a great experience working with Amazon. So the imprint that I work with is Little A, which is the literary fiction and nonfiction imprint of Amazon. I think there are about 15 imprints. It was, for me, my story was sent out to several publishers and we got some feedback that we needed to modify it a little bit. And, and so I did. And once I modified it, I sent it to, or my agent sent it to Little A. And they immediately loved the story. They loved what it had to say. And we set up a phone call with me and the editor. And my editor is Haviza Jeter. And the first thing she told me was, 
okay, this story is not a story about coming out. This is a story about forgiveness Mm -hmm. because that was really hard work too. So she had a real vision for the book and her vision matched up with my vision. And I wanted to make sure that my story got into as many hands as possible. And little a acts as a boutique publishing firm, but then has the marketing muscle of Amazon. So for me, it was really the perfect marriage of how I wanted my book to get out to the world and also how I wanted my story to be seen in the world. Yeah. And so I guess they must sell the book in print also in their stores and of course online. Yes. The book is in hardcover, paperback, audio, and ebook. And and I have to say the hardcover is really beautiful. They do such a great job of coming up with such a compelling design and the way that it's bound as well. And then you did a book tour. Now, did they set that up or did you hire your own publicist? Actually, there was a publicist that I worked with, Shreve Williams, that Amazon set up for me. And it was a great experience. So there was an internal publicist that I worked with at Amazon, and then an external publicist who worked with me and with bookstores to set up these book readings and signings. And it it was really a fantastic experience. I had the chance to get out and talk to readers and they could ask me questions. And it's something I really love doing. A lot of people don't really like getting out in front of audiences, but I think it gives me energy. So when you have a print book published by Amazon, do they sell it to other bookstores outside the Amazon system? It is available. It is available for purchase in bookstores. Bookstores are a little reticent because they're scared of the big, you know, Amazon creature that it is, but they get the book through the same channels as they would get any other book. Most of my book sales are done online and they are in electronic format, but they are also sold in some bookstores as well. Okay, I didn't know that. I I wanted to talk about that because I was so fascinated by the whole experience of someone being published by Amazon and having it be a good book because many, many, many years ago when people got their eBooks onto Amazon, you know, I'd read them. I'd be like, oh my God, this needs editing, you know? And now they have really good books. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It was very much, it was very much the traditional publishing experience. It, It follows that model completely. So I did work with an editor. It went through three or four copy edits and proofreads. And I have to say they were incredibly meticulous in proofreading and copy editing and the developmental edits with my editor just really made the book sing. My editor is a poet who has been published in Tin House and The New Yorker. And so it was a really good marriage of our talents. That's really great. Now, I know this book came about at least partly because of your experience with your photo being used for catfishing. I think that most of our listeners know what catfishing is, but In case they don't, can you explain how that works? Sure. Catfishing is a term that comes actually from a documentary by Neve Shulman, who he wrote and directed a movie called Catfish. And what happened was somebody used pictures of someone else online and created a fake person and reached out to him. And they began this online relationship where They would write back and forth, and this other person was pretending to be somebody they weren't. 
because something was missing in their life. And so they just became another person. They used somebody else's pictures and sent them to him. So that's where the term catfish comes from. My picture was stolen and it was used. It's actually synonymous with the search phrase 40-year-old white man or 40-year-old man selfie. And so what happened was men took would do a search. They would find that picture. It was not a celebrity or somebody famous. So, so they took my picture and created fake do- dating profiles. And I found out by a woman who had a four-year online relationship with someone, did a Google image reverse search, found me and let me know that this was happening. And she wasn't the only one. There have been countless women who have contacted me about this. Were they getting money from these women also, or was it just a guy who was lonely and a loser and was just using your picture to have online relationships? That's the really interesting thing. Those who have contacted me, none of them have been extorted for any money. The men who were having an on-year or an online relationship with them were just doing it to fulfill a need that they had. The first woman who had the four-year online relationship told me that he said he was a married person who was unhappy with who he was and that that online relationship gave him something that was missing, even though it took a lot away from her. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come back after the break with more from William Dameron, and we're going to talk more about how catfishing led to him writing his incredible book, We're going to talk about the book, and we're going to explore the whole subject of forgiveness and how it can change your life. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. We're back with William Dameron. William, let's talk about how catfishing led to you writing this book. Yes. So my manuscript for the book was actually already written when the catfishing incident happened. And when that happened... This, this woman who contacted me who had this four-year online relationship, I got her email, and then I received another email within 24 hours from another woman who was catfished. When I looked up online and found I, that there were countless women and websites with my picture, it sort of changed my perspective about how I looked at my story. When I was looking at my story before, I was looking very inwardly as to how what happened to me affected me. But these women coming to me and letting me know how they had so many feelings invested in these fake relationships really changed my perspective and the way that I looked at my story. I could then look at my story at how it affected the people that I pretended to and how it affected their emotions. And I think it really made my story much deeper because I was able to examine my motivation for the way I acted and also the damage that it caused to the people who I loved. Right. So let's get into that now. You were married to a lovely woman. You have two fabulous daughters. And 
you weren't cheating on your wife, but you ultimately realized that you were a gay man and you had to do something about that. Exactly. When I grew up, uh, I grew up, you know, I was born in the 60s in North Carolina, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. There was no real option, it seemed for me to be gay, just in the religious upbringing that I was brought up in, in society, there were no positive role models. I did what I thought was going to make me happy. I thought that you know, if I get married and have a family, that this is what your life goal should be. And I did love, and I do love my ex-wife. And we had many really good years. We have two beautiful daughters. But at some point, you have to realize that you can't lie to the person that you love. You have to stand in the truth. And so eventually, after 20 years of marriage, my wife, we were driving to a Walmart. She asked me to pull over to just park the car. And she said, I have to ask you this now, or I'm afraid I never will. Are you gay? And I thought about it. I thought telling the truth and continuing to lie were both forms of betrayal, but I owed her the truth. Even if that meant it would destroy sort of what we had together, she was owed the truth. Right. So then you told her, and then You had a lot of work to do. You had to tell your daughters. You had to go back to your mother again. You had a lot of forgiving to do. You had to forgive your mother for keeping you in the closet. You had to be forgiven by so many people. So let's talk about that because the reason that I reached out to you the moment I finished reading your book to ask you to write for Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Forgiveness Fix, was because I thought your your two stories that you gave us for the book are such good illustrations of how the power of forgiveness can be used to fix relationships and lead to a much happier life going forward. So how did you find forgiveness for your mom, first of all? That, yeah, that was, it, it's tough. It's so hard. The longer that a wrong sort of goes on, the more difficult it is to work through forgiveness and and to really figure out exactly what what does forgiveness mean and what has come down to me is forgiveness is sort of giving up the idea that the past could be any different you do have to let it go but when you've been in pain for so long it's it's forgiveness is a maze and you have to try and work your way through it i had come out to my mother when i was 19 and she had pushed me back into the closet then What I needed to do and what happened while I was writing this story was I discovered her motivation for why she acted the way she did. And I began to understand she was a mother who was trying to protect her son. She didn't want me to be hurt. And she thought the best way she could protect me was to have me conform to the way the rest of society was. And also when I came out at 19, it was 1983, and the AIDS epidemic had swept through the country or was sweeping through the country. So not only was being gay socially wrong, but it could be deadly. So as a mother, she was protecting her son. Mm -hmm. And I had to get to that point to where I understood it. And then I could let that go. And And I think that's one of the most powerful things is sort of understanding the motivation behind why somebody acts the way they do. I agree with you. I find that if you analyze why somebody's acting the way they are or why they acted that hurtful way that they did, 
it's so much easier to forgive them. You don't, and then you don't carry that weight around. Now, you also needed to receive forgiveness from your ex-wife, from your daughters, from other people. So how did that go? Yeah, the first thing I realized is, you know, saying you're sorry does not beget forgiveness. Saying you're sorry is just saying, hey, I'm listening. And when you apologize to someone, you need to realize that that's what you're doing. What you're saying is, I'm listening. I want to hear what has happened to you. And I needed to give them time to be angry. For my daughters, I needed to give them time to be angry at me. Uh, and to work through those feelings, those feelings were valid. Their anger was valid. But then I had to be a father and I had to show up and I had to be their father. My ex-wife, that was it was very difficult for her as well. And something I also realized is forgiveness is not really given to help the one who hurt you because sometimes a person is not going to come to you and say they're sorry. And then you have to figure out what you're going to do with that. So a lot of times forgiveness is just used to navigate through the pain in order to free yourself. I totally agree. I totally agree because you can forgive somebody who's dead. The person who wronged you doesn't have to be involved. You just decide in your own head that you're going to forgive that person and then you're free. Exactly. But it does help if the person who's wronged you wants to make amends. That certainly helps. And that is how I tried to work with my ex-wife. You know, we presented ourselves as a unified front for our children. We knew we had to do that because it was going to be tough for them. And I had a conversation with my wife, my ex-wife, a few months ago. And what she said to me was, you know, I decided long ago not to hate you because that was really going to eat away at me. This was her saying this. Mm -hmm. And so she figured it out. Forgiveness she gave to me to help herself, to free herself. Exactly. Now, what about self-forgiveness? Because you needed to work on that as well. Yeah, sometimes that can be even harder because especially for me when I was in the closet, you're, you're hiding your sexuality, but that's not the only thing. You're hiding so many other things. You're hiding your shame, your guilt, you're hiding maybe sometimes masculinity or your issues with masculinity. And so when you open that closet door, it's not just one door to open. There's many doors to open. You need to open all those doors. And that's only where you can get to the point to where you can forgive yourself. But you do have to let go of the idea that you can change anything in the past because you can't do it. And in my case, I wouldn't want to do that. I have two beautiful daughters. We had many beautiful years. If I changed one little thing about the past, it would change the whole trajectory of my life. And I'm really happy with where I am. And once I realized that, I was able to let go of the guilt and the shame. And I was able to write this book, which is another way of making amends, of helping other people who are going through the same thing. Yeah, I think it's a very important topic. So what surprised you the most about writing this book? What surprised me the most, when you write a memoir, you're really concerned that you're going to hurt someone because nobody goes through this alone. We all have people around us. When we're going through our toughest times, and memoirs deal with some of the most difficult times that people experience in their life. And 
it was really important for me to understand the motivation behind why people acted the way they did. And I tried to be very compassionate in my book. So I was concerned about my daughters and I was concerned about my mother, how she would accept the book. When I gave it to my daughters, my youngest daughter loved it right away. My oldest daughter was concerned about it because she was 16 when we went through this. And that's a really hard time. She took the book with her to work and she would read it during her breaks and she would text me and she would text things like, oh, wait a minute, you didn't tell me you replaced my stuffed animal. These were little secrets Uh that I had put in along the way. But at the end, she said, I feel like I've entered a new world. You've answered questions I didn't even know how to ask. And I felt like I've been angry at you all these years and I shouldn't have been. So that, to me, was a huge surprise that a memoir could actually repair relationships and heal old wounds. And I have to say the same thing happened with my mother. The first part of the book is difficult for her because she was a different person then, but she evolves to become my biggest ally. And she actually read my book on Mother's Day. She started it in the morning and read through the night. And she sent me a text that said, I couldn't love you more. That's so great. So that was really powerful. And I know she danced with your husband at your wedding. So that was yeah. that really showed where her head was at. So we are out of time, but I want to tell people how to learn more about you. So I know your website is William Dameron. Dot com and your Twitter is at WC Dameron. And I want to thank you so much for giving us two stories for Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Forgiveness Fix. Thank you so much, Amy. So I'm Amy Newmark, and thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. I'm going to be sharing a lot of stories from our new book about forgiveness in the next few months. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Google or wherever you like to get your podcasts. That way you'll automatically get these stories. Mm